I want to talk a little bit of, of history with you. I want to talk about the methodology that you guys use to set prices with your Beckett price guides. And, and I've often wondered this. I know a lot of collectors have often wondered this. What were all the factors that were considered when you guys were issuing your price guides and when you were setting prices? Like, it's, it's pretty well known that you guys collected survey data from trusted sources, and that makes a lot of sense. But, like, did other factors come into play? Did you guys say, you know, look, Hakeem Olajuwon just won his second straight championship here. Like, that's gonna probably going to impact his prices. Maybe we can get out ahead of that. Or, you know, does narrative, like the economist uh, Robert Schiller, he is a big believer that narrative is what shapes economic trends far more than any data set we could look at. Whatever the country's narrative is, is really important. The story that we tell ourselves and the level of optimism we feel is really important, he believes in shaping financial markets. So to, just to bring it back to the question here, you know, what were the factors that you guys looked at when you were setting prices? Was it strictly survey data or did you, you know, take in some of the other pieces of information such as narrative and media coverage as well and accomplishments? Okay, well, that's a compound question. As an attorney, you learn how to give these compound questions, which my attorney objects. But anyway, <laughs> first of all, we didn't, I don't feel like we set prices. We're trying to reflect the prices that were there. And, and when you say what's going on in the field, you know, or on the court, I mean, that's, we, we're, we were more aware of it than most people because we were tuned into that. And that was a fun part of the job. But it was more to clue you in to be prepared that if somebody had a triple-double or, you know, hit three home runs, then there, there may be a movement on the cards. There probably will be a movement, but we needed, we needed to see that. So I don't think we were really setting the, car, setting the price. In fact, as much as possible, as you, you know, read off my background, I mean, basically, uh, statistics is the science of decision-making in the face of uncertainty. And so there's always some uncertainty there. You never really have all the data. But as much as possible, we were trying to make it as much science. There's a little bit of art and a lot of science. And so we, we couldn't, we, we wanted to minimize the art, the interpretive stuff and, and go on the empirical data as much as possible. So we weren't turning down any data, but some data was more difficult to, to gather than others. But we did two things differently, in, at least in my regime, that other uh, people, uh, the other price guides, let's say, I don't think did either at all or as well. And one was that we really, without making a big deal about it, we really considered the uh, quality of the source, you know, where the data was coming from, whether this was a, you know, a, whether it was a dealer that we had a very trusted relationship that was a really straight shooter or somebody that was a flipper, hyper, or, you know, was, or bargain basement was, didn't care, not very, you know, you want a knowledgeable seller and a knowledgeable buyer. So, so we really looked at the quality of where it was coming from because we had people that were not telling the truth. And so we, we, but we were at, we were, you know, in, at the peak, we had, we had analysts at, at, on the East Coast, West Coast, and Midwest every weekend at the big shows. And they could see, you know, here are the cards for sale for a thousand bucks. And then the guy wants to report that he sold it for 1500. Well, we just walked by the table, it was priced at a thousand. So, but, and then if you walk by the table, it's still at a thousand, it's not sold. And the guy wants us to bump the price up. And so, you know, it's, I don't, I don't want to be too negative, but anyway, so there was that aspect that we did, we considered the source and there was a level of verification that, that made sure that the, that there really was data. It's like eBay of looking through the eBay data and making sure it was a fully consummated sale. Okay. Same kind of thing. Okay. The second thing we did that I don't think other people were doing is that we took into account non-sales. In other words, when something is out for sale, reasonably advertised and aware it's out there and it's the, the price is known and it's not selling well it's kind of hard when somebody says oh, i'm selling like hotcakes at 12 bucks but at the show they're 10 bucks and nobody's even making offers that's one of the reasons we did kind of price ranges but 
But uh, so I think we did it. We came at it a little differently. And I think I can't say what others did, but I, I don't think other price guides were, were, were doing that. And, and again, a lot of those things, what I'm saying probably makes sense to you. It's, it's, you know, you're reasonably analytical or maybe very analytical. You're, you're, you're trying to factor, you're, you're trying to see what's out there, what's selling, what's not selling. The problem you're having now with, with unfortunately collecting these guys that were, that are so, so popular is that, is it the, the, the velocity of the sales and, 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 and people are, are projecting the trends to where you, you're having to buy things at tomorrow's price. I want to buy at yesterday's price. In fact, that's, that, that makes it not gambling. Okay. And to do that, you need a, if you know, again, I don't think it's wrong to, if you have knowledge that somebody else doesn't have, well, you've kind of admitted that, you know, in some of these venues where you're buying cards, they're not aware that the price is now X. And I don't think it's your obligation. In fact, if they wanted to spend the time, they could listen to your podcast and hear it. But if they don't, I don't think it's your obligation to, to fully educate them at your own expense so that you can then pay them a higher price. So again, that takes the gambling aspect, but you paid your dues, you did your homework, and that's so you have an edge. So it's not gambling. Yeah, that's there, an ethical dilemma comes up sometimes when you'll see an item listed on eBay, and you know, let's say it's about a five thousand dollar fair market price, roughly speaking. If it was just ran at an open auction, this is what it would end for. And you have a seller who doesn't know what it's worth, and they you know put it for like two hundred bucks, and somebody buys it immediately. An ethical dilemma comes up, and you say, should I? What should happen here? You know. The seller is just absolutely got killed, but like you said very astutely, that's because they haven't paid the their dues. They haven't done the research. They don't know the item that they're dealing with. And so it, we these ethical dilemmas come up sometimes, and you know it's the way it goes. We'll see. You know ultimately on social media, we'll see the guy who bought the card and got the steal. Uh, what do you what do you think about those? There, situations? There's an additional factor there, and that is the 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 original seller who did not have full knowledge was, and I don't know if being afraid is the right word but was unwilling to put it up for auction. That's the that's what the person could have done. I'm not sure what this is worth. I'm going to put it at auction. But no, they're thinking, you know, if I put it at auction, it might go too cheaply. And in fact, it might go too cheaply if they if they have very low feedback and people think, well, and again, at 200 bucks, you know, you could tell them, but if that's a $5,000 card, they're going to be people that say, I'm going to be flushing $200 down the toilet because I'm never going to get this card. So there's a lot more at play there but again, if the person put it up for auction, problem solved. They were unwilling to do that. They want to take the two hundred bucks sure thing. Again, I'm re- again, I'm doing the, the the Schiller narrative, you know, to make myself feel good. Again, I I for all those years I didn't buy cards because I was pricing cards and I thought, you know, I mean, I bought cards for sample cards, but not to make money. And now, like I said, after fifteen years of being retired, I'm thinking I go to a card shop, I see a card that's a good deal, I can buy it if I want to. You know, I'm not going to affect the price of it. It's just. It's just, and, and mostly it's for my own collection. I'm not really, you know, but, but again, if something is, is, is way off and again, they had a choice to put it on an eBay as an auction, you know, Com C that's the, the dilemma of Com C and I've even lost money on Com C in the early days. I put things in there and I put a price on there that, and it would just get, and I, I'd either misprice it just because you're going to miss a few and somebody flipped me. Okay. Well now Com C has the option. If you're not sure of the price. You, and which is a pretty good card. You can, you can run it through their auction or PWCC or Probstein. So somebody putting a fixed price item on eBay, you know, that's at their own peril. Very, I'm actually going to do an episode. I don't know what your opinion is. I don't want to turn the tables completely, but I'm going to do something on, on uh, price changing etiquette, you know, of what, although etiquette sounds too proper of a word, but I mean, just what do you do in those kind of situations? There's a whole bunch of them, you know, that are, that, that people, 
you know, it depends on which side of the table they're on, what they think is right or wrong. If it's their card or their steal or their buy. But, but there's some wrong things that are wrong. If somebody asks you, if they, they say, I got this Jordan card, I'm going to put it on eBay. And uh, I'm gonna, I was thinking about putting it on for 200 bucks. What do you think, Chris? And if you say, you know, I'm not sure you're going to get 200 bucks for it. Just give it to me. I'll give you 200 bucks. Now, that would be low. But if you said, you know what, I just don't, I think it's worth a lot more than that. You ought to put it up for auction. But they may, you know, like I've said, there's fear of missing out, but there's also fear of embarrassment. You put it up for 5,000 bucks, I'm going to look stupid. Okay, well, you really look stupid putting it up for 200. Yeah, great, great points. And I, I, I like the way, so like, like you say, you know, it depends on what side of the equation you happen to be on. That's going to influence your opinion. I like the way you put it. You know, you just laid out the factors and you said, hey, if we try to look at this as dispassionately as possible, there's a really clear avenue that solves all these informational problems. Run an auction. Run an auction. They chose not to. They chose not to for whatever reason. They chose not to, and they, that's, yeah. And they they could do a Dutch auction. You know, on eBay, there's you get free listings for for some amount for anybody. You know, you put it for five thousand bucks, doesn't sell. And you maybe you get an offer. You maybe take it, maybe don't. Next month, put it up for four thousand. You can do your own Dutch kind of declining thing. But two hundred bucks shows a lack of confidence, lack of homework, and uh, you know, timid enough not to do. Most people don't do an auction because they think it'll go too cheap. That's right. So that's right. Okay. Uh, 